come in like within the three hours. And she didn't know there was a hospital over there, so I said go there next time. But um, she went into our doctor, and he did more tests or something, and I wasn't quite clear. But her cholesterol's down. And she's like, it hasn't been that low in years. So she just really feels like God's totally just touched her body and has healed her. She is going to be going in on the 12th of June for um, something on her neck. They're going to scan her neck. Because one of the things we thought maybe had happened was she's got a rod in her arm <clears throat> from getting a full shoulder replacement. So we want to make sure that the nerves are doing good from that. So, But they say that's not what it was. I don't believe it. Yeah, so even the, our doctors, we have the same physician, family practice, Dr. Calkins. He's awesome. And uh, he, he said it was a mini stroke from everything that he could see what was going on, all the information. So she went to war. We, our church went to, to prayer worrying for her as well. And so she said that her results from her evaluation was clear, that she looks normal, that there's no evidence of anything that has happened. And so this is what she told me this morning, because she's working at good old mighty Costco this morning. She said, you can let them know that I knew I was healed on Thursday. I was listening to the podcast of John Carney, and I told Satan that I had a win-win, even if I went home to be with the Lord. Chains were broken that afternoon. So, yeah. Yes. He is good. Yeah, Jesus' blood paid it all. And, you know, we, we have to just continuously press into the finished work of the cross to see the breakthroughs come. It, it, we, we, can't, we, we can't step back from the reality that Jesus paid for our healing, even if we don't see it right away, even if we're not walking in kingdom health at the moment we still need to declare the work of the cross over our bodies that we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. You don't hope that you're gonna be forgiven when you stand before him. No, you declare, even right now, though you sin, you still have sin that happens. Sin happens. That'd be another t-shirt. Shift happens. Sin happens. Stuff happens. <laughs> Why are you laughing so hard, Marilyn? <laughs> Make that shift happen. That's right. When sin happen, happens and stuff happens, we, we know that shift needs to happen. <laughs> we need a heavenly shift because we maintain that Jesus Christ paid it all. It's one of the four pillars of, of revival is Jesus' blood paid it all. Everything that we hunger for, everything that we long to see in our lifetime, in the, in the church and in the kingdom and through our lives, through our children's lives, Jesus already paid for it. We have access. We just need to go after it. There, there's nothing new under the sun. Revivals that have happened years ago, Toronto, Pensacola, the Great Awakening in the early 19th century or whenever, whenever that was, all of that stuff, all of those moves of God, Jesus paid for that. We have access for the same works of God to continue in our day and in our time. So we rejoice this morning that Tammy's mom got healed, that she's, she's proclaiming and declaring her healing, and evidence so far shows that the doctors agree that she has nothing wrong 
we will continue to go after healing. I know for my father who has a mass, it's a, they call it a mass. Doesn't mean it's massive, it's just a mass. It's a, a little ball of tissue that the physician says looks like what he sees, looks like cancer to him, carcinoma. Because he's, he's good at seeing those kinds of things, so he recognizes what that typically looks like. The biopsy results will come in eventually. Tomorrow, he, Tuesday, he will go in for a CT scan on his abdomen. We are going to pray as a family, and, and I'm trusting as a church because we put that one out there too, over all kinds of other things that we're all going after as well. Um, for my dad, we want to see that thing shriveled up and disappear. We want it gone. So he may show up today. We, I asked him if he would try to get here even for 10 minutes just to come in. He said it's kind of hard for him because he, he knows he'll be emotional. <laughs> it's okay, though, I told him. Just come anyway. Let us blast you with prayer. Let us just break that stuff off, make declarations. So, yes, Jesus' blood paid it off. So this morning, I just feel like this morning is going to be one of those mornings where God wants to infuse us with hope. We need hope. We are not called as Christians to be hopeless. We are called to be hope dealers, hope-filled people that know how to deal, that we know how to release, we know how to, we know how to give away the hope of heaven. You know, the Bible says, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within. We have hope that lies within us. We're hope dealers. Marilyn, you might have been a dope dealer. I was with you. I was there too. You know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to confess my sins. This is being recorded. I probably could go to jail still for the things I did, but no. Or lose my job. No, we won't say what I did. But I was wheeling and dealing in the darkness, like many of you. I don't know about Forrest. He's pretty clean and squeaky. Squeaky clean. <laughs> Homeschool kid. No, public school. Okay, yeah. He's a good boy, though. All right, why don't we stand up? Let's get ready to worship. It's 11-11, transition time. We're going to read a scripture together, and then we'll blast off. Wow, you're quick, man. He put that up there fast. So this is, uh, uh, it looks like a lot, but it's six verses from Hebrews chapter 6. I just felt the theme of hope in my spirit this morning. You know, our hope was renewed. Tammy and I got our hope renewed. Like most of us in this room, we went through a season where we were kind of, we had a bad taste in our mouths from church. Churchianity kind of was trying to spoil us. But we were like, no way. We are not going to lose our passion for Jesus because of a, a negative church experience. And it doesn't mean that we look at those previous places and say that they were messed up and that we had all the answers, so let's go do our own thing and do it right because we're going to make mistakes too, just like they did. But our hope needed to be renewed. And it's a continual renewal. Week by week, day by day, we need to get our hope injections. We need to, to lift our perspective up above the circumstances and let Jesus infuse us with hope because he is the God of all hope. So let's read this from Hebrews chapter 6, Passion Translation. For God, the faithful one, is not unfair. How can he forget the work you have done for him? 
He remembers the love you demonstrate as you continually serve his beloved ones for the glory of his name. But we long to see you passionately advance. I'm going to repeat that. We long to see each of us, you, passionately advance until the end. We don't want to stop here and then hide in a room until we're dead. Until the end, we want to passionately advance and you find your hope fulfilled. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose your enthusiasm, but follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance. Strong faith is what we want to receive today. I declare that this day is going to be a day where faith is strengthened and endurance, patient endurance is increasing in our lives. Let's go on to the next part. It is very common for people to swear an oath by something greater than themselves, for the oath will confirm their statements and end all dispute. So in the same way, God wanted to end all doubt and confirm it even more forcefully to those who would inherit his promise. His purpose was unchangeable, so God added his vow to the promise. So it's impossible for God to lie. It is impossible for God to lie. His word is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. It is impossible for God to lie, for we know that his promise and his vow will never change. And now, here's our part, guys. And now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find his strength and comfort. For he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time. An unshakable hope. Just say it. Unshakable hope. I pray that over myself. Unshakable hope. We have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat which sits in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone in before us. He is now and forever our royal priest like Melchizedek. Don't disappear yet, Ethan. Keep that up there. We have an anchor of hope this morning and the hope that we have anchored inside of us It's chained to the mercy seat that is in the throne room of heaven right now. We have the hope of heaven, the Holy Spirit, the God of all hope and comfort and peace living inside of us. And he links us, he chains us, he anchors us into the heavenly realm, into the holy of holies, to the mercy seat, as that scripture tells us. In the heavenly realm, beyond the sacred threshold, in other versions it says, through the veil, through the torn curtain, which we know is Jesus' body broken on the cross. So let's pray. Oh, one more thing. You can pass through this open gate this morning, guys. There is an open door for you to go right into the throne room this morning. And there's a password to get in. I love this scripture from the Passion. There's a, there's a password. What's the password? It's praise. So come right into his presence with thanksgiving. 
Come bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For the Lord is always good and ready to receive you. So Jesus, we, we believe and we declare that you are always good, that you're always ready to receive us, that your blood paid it all, that you have carved out a way, you have blazed a trail for us to come this morning through the gate, through the, the doorway into your holy of holies with a password of praise. This morning we put praise on our lips. We put thanksgiving in our, on our tongues. We come to declare your praise and to lift high the name of Jesus over our lives, over our circumstances, over sickness, disease, and sin, and broken relationships. Everything that the devil has, has done to, to bring in disorder, God. This morning we proclaim the name of Jesus over all of it. And we say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done and let your, your grace and your power come and make straight the things that are crooked. Bring into proper kingdom alignment the things that are out of place. In Jesus' name, we worship you. Lord, I thank you that you say in your word that you're always with us, that you'll never leave us, that you'll guide us and you'll make our path straight, Lord. I ask you, give us direction in this time so that we can stand on your word, Lord, and go forth and do what we need to do today and every day. Lord, I thank you for my sisters and brothers here in this church, sometimes referred to as kings and priests. <laughs> but I thank you, Lord, that we are a family of believers that can come together and look forward to celebrating Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I don't know you guys, but this last week, my faith really came into hand. Um, I was told that the client that I had had for nine months had passed away the day before Mother's Day. And I had a couple days this week that were kind of rough, and a lot of questions at work about how do you feel about this? And, you know, the glory to God is that everybody was saying she lived in a nice life. She had lots of friends. The biggest thing was that she was a believer. And I know where she is. So even though some tears fell, I knew that she was where she should be with the king. So I just want to say that those times where you might be in a valley or might be going through stuff. He always leads us out. And on that note, I just want to invite anybody else that had a victory like I did this week, being an overcomer of the circumstances. morning family so um, if I could just take a few minutes of um, get a little bit of personal testimony and um, in praying for our family our body um, this week and all the things that are going on this is my remembrance stone um, whenever things happen in the Bible and people built um, memorials mem they left memory memory stones at places and so that's this is my memory stones today 
So I have been through um, a lot of things that it's not uh, ordin inordinate to other people. I um, lost my husband and my sister both in their 40s to uh, addiction and uh, saw my daughter go through cancer at 17 and fight for her life. Um, walked with my mom through the journey of Alzheimer's um, and, and numerous other things that other people have walked through too. But in the midst of all of that, um, and you've got uh, losses, you've got grief, you've got hurdles and obstacles and things that you have to work out and work into your life and your life has to revolve all around that because when my husband passed away, I still had five kids to take care of. So, but in the midst of that, he comes in and if we can remember to praise and worship, and I'm not just talking about on Sunday, I'm talking about as you live your life, have a heart full of worship, he comes in and rides through that with you all the way, lifting you up. And if we can keep our eyes on him, and it's, it's not always an easy task, not saying it is, but worship is tremendous warfare. And it moves mountains. You say to that mountain, move, and it moves. My other personal testimony on this is that I went to the doctor and had an x-ray of my hip because I was having problems with my hip. The doctor said, this is an irregular mass. Do you know what that means? And I said, yes. If it's irregular or asymmetrical, it's most likely malignant. And so he, that's what he said. I really believe that you have a cancerous mass. And so <laughs> I went home and I'm driving home in the car and I go, nope, nope, nope. I, I refuse to be fearful and anxious until presented with something that was right in front of me that I had to deal with and lay on the table with the Lord and walk through it. So they sent me in for a, a CT scan and come back out and went to this doctor. And I took my son and my daughter and one of my friends with me. And they're all sitting in the room and the doctor comes in and he sits at this little table and he's paging through the papers and he's looking and he's circling and paging through and circling and finally he turns around and goes I don't know they didn't find anything it's there's nothing there it's just a gelatinous mass so I was praying that for Jean this week that it's done that not only would it not wither but there's nothing there to begin with the same thing happened with my daughter she took a chemo um, that was um, could really harm your lungs. And they were really watching her uh, respiratory um, system and she had to go and have tests done all the time. Last time we were in a children's hospital and they said, your uh, respiratory level is down to 56%. And I'm not, I wanna just tell you, I'm not really sure that you're gonna get this back. So I said, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Went home, <laughs> prayed and came back uh, several months later. I think she had to give them like every three months walked into the doctor's office and he's sitting and talking to us and reminding us that his, her levels were 56%. And I sat in that office and my daughter had to go down for the respiratory test again. And she goes, mom, do you wanna come with me? You wanna stay here? I said, are you okay going on your own? She goes, sure, I got this. I mean, she's just been in a fight for her life for four months, right? I wanted to sit in the room and I really just wanted to lay it before the Lord. And again, she comes back 15 minutes later, the doctor comes in. He's doing the same thing. He's 
lifting up the pages and he's looking puzzled and he's circling and, and finally he goes, you're at 100%. Your lungs are at 100%. I don't know how this happened, but your lungs are at 100%. And I said, praise God. And he goes, yes. And I said, praise God. And he goes, yes. So as I was coming in this morning and um, I, my spirit was just leaping in joy and worshiping. And I wanted, I felt like pulling over on the side of the road, jumping out of my car. And honestly, if I could dance and if I had the physical ability to dance when I'm back there worshiping, I would dance. Most I can do is I can move. I can move. I can come against things. I can worship him. I can move. Might not be able to dance, but by golly, I'm back there moving. So as I was coming in and just speaking to him, and he said, I want to impart a fire in the bones to this body, to this family. And as he was telling me that, what I saw, and I have to stop for a minute and tell you this, Chris's dad, who was, uh, went, and after he got out of high school, he followed Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey across the country for a year. Um, got skinny, ate popcorn. <laughs> but he worked behind the scenes, and he worked with the guys that took care of the elephants. And they have these bull whips, and they're these huge, long things, and he had one. And when you step forward and you crack that thing, it sounds like an M80. It is loud. So I'm seeing the Lord standing there with this huge whip, like a bull whip, and he's going, fire in the bones! Fire in the bones! So there you go. That's what I, my heart is for you guys, is to have that fire in the bones. Stand, he wants us to stand and stand against everything. With joy in our hearts, lay it all down to him and let faith arise. Okay, so if you, obviously you're here today, so if, if while you're here today, you are one of those people that you just feel like you need fire in your bones, that you need the hope of heaven to crack into your spirit, why don't you stand up and let us blast you with, blast you with prayer. Naira, Naira and Connie, are you standing up for it? Because I wanted, I wanted Naira to walk around with uh, some of you others that are sitting Double portion. So, okay, so you who are standing are the ones that want uh, the, the crack of the whip, right? So let's do this. Those of us who are around, kids, I'd like you to spread out and get every adult that's standing up in this room. Just go, and if you're an adult and you're sitting down, just go ahead and get around everybody. Naira, do you want to pray something as they're releasing? Why don't you come grab this microphone? Lord, how good you are. Lord, we just turn our eyes to you. Turn the eyes of our heart to you, Lord. We give everything that we are to you. We look to you in every circumstance in life. We look to you for the goodness 
We look to you for the answers. You bring counseling, you bring love, you bring anointing, you bring comfort. Lord, you bring the fire. So right now, Lord, as you are showing me with that whip that comes up by your right hand, by your right hand, Lord God, I ask for fire in the bones right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, in this body, let faith arise like we've never known before, Lord, that we would just leave everything behind, open the eyes of our heart, and step into it, grab hold of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Good God. Yeah. Marilyn, you got something. I yeah. <laughs> so timely. <laughs> he is so good. The experience I had this last week, um, I was on a contract to go in and do some team intervention work. And, and there's a process you do with all of that, some OD work. And so... I, you know, you go and you have your intention and you're collecting your data and you, you know, you just know, right? You just know because you're professional at this. And the first day I'm doing all the data collection, interviewing people, and I came back to the motel and Randy looked at me and he said, ooh, girl, you are a train wreck. What's going on? And I said, never in my life have I experienced such an insane it, nothing was coming together. No piece of the puzzle was fitting anywhere. And I said, Randy, I feel like I'm trying to nail jello to a tree and I'm standing on quicksand. That is not a good feeling. And they're expecting some kind of an outcome for the money they're paying me. And it's not for a bowl of jello and it's not to know about quicksand. I mean, it was just awful. Second day got a little bit better. But still, there was, there was an element missing out of this whole piece of where I usually can take uh, employees that, you know, need some discipline, if you will, and I can work with HR, I can work with the executive director, I can work with the governor, I can work, somebody's got some authority. <clears throat> and the people that I was supposed to be doing the intervention on, they don't even have job descriptions, they're so empowered. That's a tough place to be. So silly me, I'm still thinking that my assignment is to do this intervention stuff. And it is, and it will get done. But here was the kicker. Lean not on your own understanding. <laughs> silly me. They said the words. I said, sure. I went in to do an intervention. You know what it ended up being? I led one of them back to the Lord. <laughs> that was the assignment. I mean, when we were done, we were hooping and hollering. One, he's just crying his eyes out. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting a box of Kleenex and bringing it over. I didn't touch him. I didn't hug him because if somebody walked in, it's, it's such a politically charged environment. I just said, you need to understand, I said. And it was the one that brought me in. I said, you think I came in on a white horse to try to save this executive team. I said, Jesus rode in on the cross for this very moment. And I said, are you going to continue striving or do you want 
the easy way. It's his way. Turn it over to him. I prayed, then he prayed, and he just said, yeah, you're my angel. No, I said, I'm no angel. But I'll tell you this, you can call me Mama Marilyn. I said, I just have a mother's heart. And I said, I just see you as my son in the body. And, and prayed, and then he prayed, and we just made some commitments. But all I'm saying is, is when your day's going sideways, just know that the answer is right around the corner. Instead of getting tied up like I did that first night with trying to think it through and lean on my own understanding and lean on my processes and all the education, all blah, 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 blah. Ooh, man. And then knowing, I knew in my knower, you guys were praying. Do you know how, how amazing it is to know that when people say they're going to pray, they really pray? I mean, this is a body of integrity here. I don't have to give the details in the prayer. I'm just saying, I need prayer. And all you have to do is do yanda, shanda, and off you go. And I'm covered, and he's opening doors, and he's closing doors, and he's making it all happen. And then on the way back from, uh, from Eastern Washington here, he gave me the huge download on how to do the whole intervention process with this team. And I'm just, I'm so grateful. I'm grateful that I know to get out of the way or when I'm spent and there's not another thing, it's like, okay, God, out of the box, do it. And he did. The joy of having that holy fire and that whip in my hand, if you will, to break through that atmosphere to say, here's the issue, buddy. Here's the issue. It's you. You're in your own way. And he looked at me and said, you're a Christian, aren't you? I said, yeah. And then I laughingly thought, yeah, I probably swore more in the last three days. But yeah, 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 you know. He already knew. He's like, I, yeah, well, you know, she eats chocolate too. And, and, and then to just let go and turn it over to him and watch the glory of it. Now I love, the first day I kept saying, I really underbid this contract because it was so much work. And now it's like, well, yeah, I, I do still want to get paid, but you know, I would have done it for nothing though, and that was the outcome. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I just give the Lord glory. I'm so excited for this young man, his family, his career, the city that he's so actively involved in in a councilman position. Just so, so good. Speaking of the light of the world, you know, Jesus is the light of the world, right? Anybody disagree? Okay, and we sang it, Jesus, light of heaven. But, you know, Jesus turned around to the disciples and to us, and he said, your lives light up the world. Marilyn's life lit up that room. You guys are the light of the world, Jesus said. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Like the Boys and Girls Club, back in the corner here. Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things you do will shine as light upon them. And then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. 
you know, during worship, I was just, uh, just sensing the Lord unfurling over us, just a blanket of his presence, just wrapping us up. And I feel like, I think that's part of the heartbeat of what he wants us just to, to be infused with this morning is to, to take heart, take heart. Let your hope be set on that reality that he is, that he's madly in love with you. I love that song. God is madly in love with you. You know, he loves his sons and daughters. You squinting at me? <laughs> You're just winking? So anyway, I'm teasing my daughter over here. Look like she winked at me. Um, he loves his sons and daughters, and he just wants to cover us with his goodness, his, his favor. Kind of like what John Carney did when he had that umbrella. He's just constantly chasing us down with that umbrella of promises and what was it? Promises and what? Covering? <laughs> Blessings. Yeah. Blessings and promises. That's how good he is. But at the same time he covers us, he's come to live inside of us. He's infused you with the light of heaven and you get to shine that light. Do the, my, our favorite kings and priests, do they have something to share today? You guys want to come on up? Tammy and I, we, we got something really fun and easy to do today, so we're not going to take up a ton of time. <clears throat> we're going to do that little interview that we promised last week, and, and then we're, we'll take some time. Just this is live. This is the living room. You guys just relax. Just make yourself at home. Be on the couch. Jesus is right there next to you. And uh, you know, I think maybe when we're done here, we just do another blast of prayer for each other. Maybe we'll see what happens here. But all right. <laughs> Yay. Um, just this week, um, I can't say that I have been like checking my boxes, like, uh, you know, oh, I'm a good believer today. I've, I've, <laughs> you know, I've, I've done my reading, done my praying, done, you know, anyway. Uh, well, I didn't, I didn't swear as much this week, so yeah. <laughs> okay. You used it my quota, <laughs> but um, but just in it all, the the challenge has been the Lord is just He's continually just saying He's like, you know, the enemy's going to tempt you to um, receive that blame, the fault, the guilt. He and He's always it's always the question: Are you going to receive that? And so. It's like, oh my goodness, Lord, your goodness, your forgiveness, your grace is always extended, even when I'm in my own, um, you know, in my own faults and failure, and I'm willingly in my own faults and failure. And he's like, he's like, all you have to do is look up here, baby, here I am. And so um, in that, in, and I feel like this is actually kind of a training for me, it, where it's like, I'm just going to look up. I'll see his grace, his face, his mercy, his love. And in that, he's like, I want you to just continue to look up and to rise above. You know, there may be, there may be trauma and issues and upset going on in the world, but it, he, he reminds me of where uh, Jesus said, Lord, forgive them for they don't know what they do. So it's not, he doesn't want me to be involved in 
what's going on in the culture, but to, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what to do. And to keep my peace. It seems like that seems to be the, the um, keeping my peace. When I'm failing, when I'm faltering, when I see uh, things going on in a culture, he says the big thing, baby, keep your peace, keep your eyes up here. And so that's, and let, this stuff's going to happen. Just, you know, just for me, though, keep my peace. And that's just the encouragement, you know, like, like. Marilyn was just saying, you know, you, you just got to rise above that. It's, it's not all about us. It's about us staying in him. I'd say good morning, kings and priests, but Leslie stole my thunder. No. <laughs> good morning, kings and priests. And ladies, this may be a politically correct world, but you are kings. Because the kings, a queen is subject to the king. As a king, you're subject to one king, and that's the Lord Most High. So you are kings and priests. Um, I just want to say that, as Sharon said, the devil's going to come at you with all sorts of different stuff. Things are going to happen. You know, it's, as kings and priests, we are only subject to God. Try to keep that in mind when things come. Use your words. Use your commands. Know what the Lord has for you. When Jesus sent out the 12 disciples, they came back to him and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. And the Lord said, you know, don't marvel at that. Just marvel at the fact that your, your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So what he's trying to tell them is, this is supposed to be normal stuff. When stuff happens, which it does, we swear, we cuss, but that's, that's not who we are. You know, we try to keep it down to a lower level than most. Some days, great. Other days, not so great. But just know that's not who you are. Who you are is kings and priests whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Good stuff. Good stuff. Tammy, get your butt up here. <laughs> You know, I'm just feeling it. So there's a couple thoughts that have been going through my mind. So, you know, we've all seen the bumper sticker that says, um, you know, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. And, you know, it's kind of like, that's kind of gross. You know, it's like, that's kind of like, uh, you know, expect the worst out of me because, you know, I'm not even going to pretend to be perfect because I'm just forgiven. Now, there's truth to that. We are not perfect. And this morning, that's a good a good vulnerable example. We've, we're all the same. We're, we're all in the same boat. Like we said a few weeks ago, the, the, the ground in front of the cross is level. The playing field is level at the foot of the cross. There's not one, not one who is without sin. All have sinned, all fall short. And even as a Christian, we cannot try to claim the gift of righteousness by our own works. It's that free gift of God's grace that we receive and get credited the righteousness of, of Christ. So it's, it's one of those, it's a tender balance. It's, it is that being called up higher above that. I felt like this week that the Lord showed me to just shout, just to 
to raise up a, a voice, to raise up a shout, like run at your Goliath, blast through the wall. You know, there's walls. We, we get these walls that we get stuck behind and we can either stay behind it and begin to, like you were saying about the enemy, someone was saying, I think it was you, about the enemy's voice, the enemy's accusation. We can try, he wants us to, to partner with him and agree with his lower truth, which oftentimes it is a truth. You know, you are, you are messing up occasionally. You do make mistakes, but he wants to take your weakest moment and make that your identity. He wants to define you by your weakest moment, by your worst moment. And Jesus wants to define us by his highest moment, which is on the cross where he was taking our sin upon himself and trading our unrighteousness for his righteousness and holiness. The great exchange took place at the cross. So we are the privileged ones. We are the sons and daughters. Again, our weakest moments, that does not make us any less a, a true son and daughter. My sons and daughters will always be my sons and daughters. Their best moment or their worst moment does not define who they are. They are mine, and I love them with an undying love. I would lay down my life for them. But I don't want to see them stuck in their worst moments, but like a good father, like our good father, I want to see them rise up because I know that they were designed and created for much more, much more than their worst moment. That they were made to live in his best, his best moment on the cross. And Jesus opened up an inheritance for us. He, he opened up for us the power and the authority to reign and rule in life as kings and priests. We are a royal priesthood. And so I believe that was you was, was talking about worship, just worshiping through the day. Is that what you were saying? Somebody was saying it. Naira. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's not about just like worship as in putting in a CD or, or an MP3 or whatever and playing worship and praise music. It can just be you standing in the shower, like Marilyn was saying, you know, you could do the Greek thing that she did, the Shambhalasha, whatever that is. But <laughs> it's not Greek, I know. You can pray in the spirit or you can just thank him. You don't have to sing. Singing's good. It's good to lift up your voice in worship and praise, to, to raise a hallelujah. I love that song. You know, there's something about lifting up our voices. But we just need to begin to go after the Goliaths, to run through the walls, to run at those things that want to hold us back. Anyway, I know that was a bit of a mixed match ramble there, but... I just, I'm just kind of sensing, you know, there's, there's an even playing field that God doesn't want any of us to elevate one person as this one's holier than thou. That's why they get to do the preaching and they get to stand up in front. No, we're, we're all saints saved by grace. We've all been washed by the same blood of the lamb. The same righteousness of Christ has been credited to each one of us. There's just different gifts, different anointings and the enemy wants to try to defuse you from walking in your gifting and anointing but God says my gifts and my anointing and my call are irrevocable he does not remove his gifts from you the anointing that you have received from him remains 
It's not based on your performance. It's based on what he says. He knew who you were before he saved you. He knew what you were like. He knew your weaknesses, your, your little foibles, all, all of that stuff. He knew it all, but he chose you and he adopted you and he predestined you to become like Jesus and to shine the light of Jesus through your life. Before we get into the question and answers, do you want to share anything yep. off the topic? All right. So we're going to make this a, a fun little morning. Let me just start out by saying, uh, I know we're not supposed to have favorites. I always tell my kids, each, each one of my children, I always say, you're my favorite. And don't tell the others. You know, it's, it's my little game. And they all know, they all know that they're my favorite. They know, they're convinced, because they are. They're all my favorites. And this, this lady right here is definitely my favorite. She is the, she's my best friend. She has to put up with this guy. If you know me enough, you know I'm kind of, I can be annoying sometimes, right, Emily? I can be kind of funny in my own particular way. Can be kind of sarcastic. It's just how God made me. That's right. I can be, I, I you know, I asked God to give me, uh, someone had said, you know, God has different names that he has for you. Ask him what a name is. And I asked him one day, he said, wit. I was like, oh. And it just dropped. I didn't have to think about it. He just, wit. There, there's this, it's, it's a sarcastic humor that I inherited from my, my uh, dad, Gene Alcorn who will be listening to this. So I give you credit, Dad. Kudos to you for giving me your sarcasm. Thanks. Thank you. I love you. But this lady, this lady is the jewel of my life. She, <laughs> yeah. We're going to get to the question. So I, I, I thought it would be fun just to, just to interview her with a few questions that would help you guys maybe to see a little bit more of what's on the inside of her not just so that you can, like I said, none of us are holier than thou. But each one of us has a story. It's his story. It's history with Jesus. Tammy carries history with Jesus. That goes way back. And what I'm hoping is that as I pull some questions out and she, she unfolds some information, that you guys would be encouraged and that you would be strengthened as well. Because whatever he's done in her life, he can do it in your life. Whatever he's done in your life, he can do it in my life. You know, God is able. So you ready? Ready. Take that thing Let's away. go. Yes. Okay. So here we go. So Tammy, yep. tell us about your earliest memories coming to know Jesus and how he came into your life. That's a good one. So I kind of, so I have to give you a little bit of background I grew up at home with an alcoholic father, um, my mom taking me to church, or I'd go to church with my grandparents, who were always involved, um, either preaching or on eldership, worship. My aunt was um, children's ministry, um, a long line of pastors and missionaries in our family, so I was always around that growing up. So I kind of feel like, from the womb, I know this is really weird, but I kind of feel like I just have always knowing Jesus, because that's all I knew. That's what I grew up in, and it wasn't until about sixth grade, um, they did an altar call, and I 
was feeling like, oh, I don't really need to go up, but someone's like, well, you should make a public declaration. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. So went up. So it was about sixth grade when I was like, yeah, this is, I am never going to not follow him. Like it, you know, I had friends who weren't believers. My best friend at the time, her family, not believers. And um, I knew that it was a little bit of a scary thing in a sense because I knew that that could cost a friendship or a lot of friendships. And that's a big thing when you're in the sixth grade, you know? So I just was like, no, I'm so committed to this. And I believe a lot of it has to do with my, obviously my mom, but my grandparents and how they walked out their Christianity. And yeah, I was just always involved in like church life, falling asleep seriously on the pews. I never wanted to go to kids' class. They're like, why don't you want to go play with the kids? Because the adult service is more fun. Because people were falling down or, you know, it was awesome. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's cool. <laughs> that was just, I liked kids' church for a while, but mostly I just wanted to sit with my grandparents on that hard pew. And yeah, it was cool. Yeah, my grandparents took me under their wing for sure. Yeah, they definitely helped my mom a lot. So, But it was always really cool. I remember, I was just thinking, um, when you guys were talking, I remember um, my grandparents um, and their involvement and just always having people in their home. And I love that. I love that their home was always open to people. And they would just, they were always praying with people and, at the time, I didn't know it was prophesying, but I remember my grandfather just speaking stuff over people, and it wasn't really until these last couple years God brought it back to my memory and being like, oh, that's what that was. I love that. And just being really interactive, even though they were my great aunts or great uncles, always hearing stories about on the mission field, like some really demonic stuff happening, especially in Indonesia, but and being like, oh my gosh, like you go there and you do this. And I just loved all those stories. I thought I could do any of that stuff. Like, that's cool. Like, yeah, I just was always really attracted to ministry and stuff. I knew I was going to marry a pastor. Pastor, oh man, man. that's right. So, you know, the Bible says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, those who have gone on before us. So I know, I know your grandparents. Okay, <laughs> but I know, I know that they're cheering us on right now, and I thank, sorry, I messed it up. I, know, I, I thank them for protecting her because my parents did the best they could. I didn't have grandparents. I had one grandmother who, she's a believer, and I knew she was praying, but she's a fiery little lady. That's all I'll say. God, God rest her soul. God bless her, yes. Grandma Alice, Grandma Thompson. And, uh, but my mom and dad prayed for me and they, they did the, the best that they knew. But I'm so thankful that they kept her protected, that, that God would, would give me as a wife one of his precious daughters that he kept hidden in the church. Now, Tammy would be the first to say she's not perfect. She didn't have her, her times where, you know, temptation was at her door. But God kept her safe, and and I'm for, and she knew what she was getting into when she met me. 
I told her everything, all of it, like everything. <laughs> in fact, I, I knew once, uh, did you go first, right? You went first and told me your... your yeah, we, that was, we, you know, we, was that before we were engaged? Yeah, we were like, okay, we knew where it was going, and we were like, we got to tell the dirt. So, yes, I went first, and then you did, and you were trembling and crying because you didn't know how I was going to react. I, I figured she was going to be like, you're, you're, you're pretty content. <laughs> it was too late. <laughs> it was too late. It didn't matter. Okay. So, thank you, Grandma and Grandpa. That's right. And, and by the way, it's more important what you've been saved into than what you've been saved out of. Yeah, amen. There, there's this bad thing, this dangerous thing in the church, especially in youth groups, where you tell your terrible testimony of how you are a Satanist and a drug user, and, and then the kids are like, oh, that sounds so cool. I need to go do bad things, then I can get radically saved, so I have a testimony. Her testimony is way more powerful than mine. It's easy to fall into sin and darkness. Yeah. It's a lot more work to protect someone and keep them from... It's definitely hard, like, keeping that line of, okay, I feel like I'm going this way, and I know I'm not supposed to. And, yeah, it's hard. But I like what Galen said when he was here. He said, he, the temptation is going to be, people will tell you that your kids need to experience the world. Your kids do not need to experience the world. They don't have to. They do not have to experience the world. I was like, thank you. I've been trying to say that for the last 25 years. <laughs> and now our kids understand why we're so, not overly protective, but maybe to them we are. We, every family represented in this place and families that we all know have different levels of protection that they put over their children. Some very intense, some very liberal. You know, it, whatever. God, he's bigger than all of that. But, but now you kids know when you have a mom and dad that come from two different extremes, we want to preserve you from, not, not keep you so sheltered that you never have a chance to choose for yourself of which way to go. But we want to steer you in the right direction. We want to take you like arrows arrows and just aim you in the direction you should go and let you go. That's right. You can't control your atmosphere for it. Okay, so question number two. <laughs> did, Rick, did it. Okay, number two. Okay. So you've got to bring that over here so we can Okay. Yeah, and you can sorry. grab your notes. If we could see inside your heart, what would be the main thing about God that you burn with passion over? Worship. I was thinking about that today. I thought, oh man, worship and healthy families. Those are my two things that God has totally put on my heart. I remember being really little. Not, this is going to really date me. But I remember like in fourth grade, I always, like from the time I was little, I just loved music. I love music. Does anyone remember Glee Club? Like the singing club at school? Glee Club. Do you remember that? So I remember it was really fun. It was like a group of kids. You had to actually try out for it. And I just always had this thing for music. And then later I discovered it was worship that I was really, like, I loved. I remember going on road trips with my mom and dad. I don't have any anymore. But I remember, like, 
writing and writing songs in the car and it's kind of just singing and writing and they're like, what are you doing? I'm just writing songs back here. Like, I totally remember doing that. And I remember around sixth, seventh grade, um, my mom coming home. I just had worship music on the radio because that's all we had. And being like, you really like worship, don't you? And I said, yeah, I feel like I'm supposed to be involved in worship somehow in my life. Like, I just knew. Like, I knew early on. Kind of like early on, I knew I was supposed to be a hairstylist. Even though I, they tried talking me out of it. I was like, no, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Kind of like Emily with culinary. Like, she knows. Like, I just knew. So worship and seeing people, people coming into God's presence and being set free and um, experiencing healing in worship. Like, worship's a big part of our lives. And I'm always, and I'm thankful for my kids. And, like, sometimes during the day, if I'm feeling stressed, Ethan's like, do you want worship on? Yeah, please. And he goes and he puts worship on for me so I can, like, chill out. So... So you guys don't live in our house and watch us, but it's true. We are kind of a family I mean, and mom and dad. That's our job is we are the worship leaders of our home and we want to draw our kids into that atmosphere of worship. And uh, sometimes just walking in the door after work and start singing a, a song that you were maybe listening to in the car. And before you know it, the kids are hum, humming along too. And, <laughs> so and they start singing. It just catches. Yeah. It's like fire. I even have children who secretly pretend to lead worship and always have. There's always been someone in the house who is hiding in another room because they don't want mom to see leading worship and stuff. Or, and I can hear kids singing, you know, I just love it. I think it's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. So now let me just say something about, so when I met Tammy, she was involved in worship. She, and I, I heard her leading worship before and I believe that there is a gift on her life that has been on pause while she's been raising up children. And I get to watch this lady every day when I come home and things are kind of settling down. She's at the keyboard just singing the songs that we do here and wanting to learn them. It's, it's a fire in her bones that she can't put out and doesn't want to put out and I don't want to see it put out. So I just wanted to say that because I know we, we don't have a worship team that we use Bethel worship for our gatherings, but there, there is a burning passion in this lady to, to resume that involvement in worship, however that's going to look in the future, but anyway, okay, so next question. You guys doing okay? Everybody doing all right? Okay. What would you say... And I know I, you reworded this on your thing. So what would you say was the most difficult season of your life and how did you walk through it? Mm -hmm. <sighs> hmm. I'm going to have to say probably one of the most difficult seasons was when we left a church. That was probably the biggest, hardest season. Who? <laughs> didn't expect that. <laughs> Over 10 years, feeling like a divorce, really, yeah. And it happened to just walk through forgiveness. That was the hardest thing, because you're like, you get so mad, and you're like, ah! You know, you just want to <laughs> punch people. Um, but that's not legal, so I can't do that. 
but just really, <laughs> but really just like learning to walk through that forgiveness and being like, okay, God, through this time that we walked through, like you didn't bring us through all of this for nothing. Like you don't waste anything. What do you want? And walking through like five years, like being at a church for two years where people would walk down the hall and totally ignore you when you said hi to them. I was like, I'm dying here. Come on, <laughs> like, help us out a little. But um, really learning to walk through forgiveness, that was a big one. And learning to um, walk it out in a way where because I know there were people watching and we actually more recently, like in the last year or two, had someone say, hey, thank you for the way you guys walked that out. We didn't know that person. I had no idea that person. I thought you're like the last person I would think that would pay any attention to this because they were a teenager at the time and they sent us a message. Thank you for walking things out the way you did. Like I watched that and that was really amazing. We had to learn through that season of five years of trying to figure out where we were, our family was supposed to fit. The kids would fit in one place and we're over here like, hmm, yes, that's great. Um, and having, feeling horrible for ripping your kids out, <laughs> you know, and trying to feel like, where do you fit in? Where do you fit in? And so um, we had started meeting in our house actually with some friends you remember that we were meeting our house praying and just like god we're what are you doing it was with the drews and with um sarah and james and just praying and be like god what do you want and i started actually feeling the stirring for church planning i'm like honey like we're not gonna find anything and we've been church hopping like we went to three churches and ended back at one of them and still not fitting in and being like okay god like, we just had to learn to take away from each of those things, those places. Like, what did you want us to learn in that season? Because obviously his hand is in everything that we do. He's not wasting anything. So it's okay, what did we learn here? What did we learn here? What did we learn to do and not to do? And so I think that was like one of the hardest seasons. But then at the end of it, going to the conference and... That, like, redeemed everything. That redeemed the whole five years of knowing what, oh, that's why you took us through all of this. That's why we suffered for five years, <laughs> was. How did you keep from losing all desire to even go to church? Um, that was five years. Well, I did lose a desire to go to church, but I didn't lose a desire to follow him. Because I was just sick of all the churches out there because there was nothing out there. It was big churches performing or little churches saying, I'm going to do this and not doing that. And yeah, it just got, I was done with church as we know it, you know, as we knew it. Okay, so you said a couple times that he doesn't waste anything. So what would you say, what would you declare right now over our church family here who've all been through the same thing? Mm. I would say anything that you've gone through in anything in your life, 
is preparing you for the future. I don't know if I have, I thought I saw something here from Graham Cook, because he's so brilliant. Man. Oh, I don't have it written down. similar stories here right. and you said that you, you knew for us he didn't waste anything in those seasons how would you just speak that as an encouragement over our people that the stuff they went through he didn't he's not going to waste anything yeah I would say just to encourage you guys to really let go of the things that were not God and to take those things that he has put in you, it's kind of like you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You just don't. You don't do that. You take all that stuff that God was doing in you in those years, and you say, okay, God, show me how I'm to use this. And he's going to show you. I mean, he taught us in that season how to stand firm with him, even if we weren't necessarily liking where we were at. He we, that was a season where we grew close as a family and we grew closer to him. So I'd say just really push into him and, and take those things and just run forward with him and don't look back. That's where we get tripped up. I'm going to pull up that Boston song someday, Don't Look Back. That's, that's our theme song for our church. <laughs> don't awesome. look back. Okay, so I see Tammy as a woman of peace. I do. That's, she is, she's the woman of peace in my home. So how do you maintain walking in peace with five kids you're homeschooling, me, and a church plant? Mm, the presence of God, being in worship. For me, and I'm not always peaceful. You can just ask anyone in my house. But... I try to be, <laughs> um, just being in God's presence. And that doesn't mean locking myself in a room all day long. That means just always in communion with him and not holding offense to anything. That's a big one, is not being, if your child does something, you're not offended by that. You deal with it how you need to deal with it, and you move on. And that's hard for me sometimes, because um, I'm like, oh, I just want to punish you. <laughs> and God's like, yeah, no, it's not what you want to do. So, not that there's not a place for that, but just not being offendable, letting things go really easy, you know, just letting it go, and um, yeah, just staying, staying in his presence, and knowing, I've learned, know what your peace is and what your peace is. So knowing what your piece is, your piece of the pie. If you're feeling like, oh man, I want to do that, but I'm going to start feeling super stressed out, that's not your piece. I'm not, if I'm not walking in peace doing something, I am not doing it, and I don't care who's offended by it. So. We, we would encourage you, you know, we each have our portion that God has given you your peace. Guard your peace because people will try to add on to your peace. I cannot pray for everything, everything out there that people in the workplace or wherever people will say, you gotta, they'll come up to me, you gotta pray for this. 
Like, actually, no, I don't. I can't pray. I'm not the only one that prays. My wonderful mom, you, Kim knows my mom. You guys know her. She's 92. She's so she spent cute. so many years serving at Paws, an animal, a cat shelter. And she is, her heart goes out to animals that, you know, don't have long to live sometimes. And she wants prayer. But she's seen prayer work for pets. She heard the Fitzhugh story about praying for the dogs. And how the dogs came out of their drug overdose. Ate that bag of weed. Not their weed. <laughs> it did not belong to the Fitzies. As far as we know it did. <laughs> <laughs> Duke found us somewhere. <laughs> Maybe I won't. In his wandering out. journey. <laughs> I just want to add to what Tam... So Tammy said she's not perfect at this. I, I call her a woman of peace because... Overall, in a general sense, she is a woman of peace. She has her weak moments. And like we said earlier, your weakest moment does not define who you are. You. Know who you are. Know what God says who you are. Know what he says about you. He says, I'm wit. Okay? So in the moments where I'm just feeling not funny and I don't want to laugh, maybe I need to remind myself, who do you say I am? Maybe he's going to have another, another name, another word. And then if I'm too witty, then we'll pull up a different name. You know, that, I was just going to say, how, how did we hear about your piece of the, that brought so much freedom because I remember remembering back and not feeling like I had grace to do certain things, but kind of getting flack for it sometimes, not from you from people and just feeling like I'm sticking to my guns on this and I don't really care and but that brought so much freedom to me like okay I wasn't really wrong for that because I carried that around for a while like oh man maybe I really should have done that and that's just the enemy's way of you know trying to yeah and we don't need to be busy all the time sometimes we need to just not be busy that's why we're not going to be program oriented skip that one but let's do this okay. one so what are you currently dreaming with God about Hawaii and Mexico <laughs> sorry <laughs> well you asked she wants a beach I do for a week with no children sunny beaches okay oh you mean church wise yeah that too <laughs> let's just for the sake of time it's, it's, uh, okay, okay. We'll, we'll go to the last one all right so, Tammy, what is your vision of what Legacy City Church will become, inside and out? How much time do we have? <laughs> All right, you can go sit down. That was number five, right? The last one? Oh, last one, yeah. Oh, man, that's a loaded question right there. What do you mean inside and out? Gotcha. On the outside, I'll start there because it's easier. Having healthy families and whatnot, going out when they're out, when you guys are out doing your daily thing, ministering to people, stopping and praying for someone. I want people to know, like, are you from Legacy City Church? Yeah. Oh, cool. Hey, you want to pray for me? Sure. Prophesying over people, speaking life into people. Speaking life into people. I want to see that. One thing to go with that is 
What is it that God wants to give us in order to take our city? That was Graham. I'll give him the credit. I didn't come up with that. Inside, so youth is a huge one. When we, was it when we first moved back, I believe? I don't think I had this vision in Tacoma. Um, I had a vision of this, it was a big room, big room. And in the room, it was full of youth. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's good. And then I, as I looked, there were little kids. I mean, like little one-year-olds. The room was filled with, from like age one up to whatever age, just like fully worshiping, 100% abandoned for God. And I was like, yeah, that's what I want in a youth group because I really hate youth groups. Like, I've never liked youth groups ever. I don't like them. I think they're hookup places and I games and yeah not that kids can't have fun there's a time for that but there's also a time for our kids to learn how to worship and learn to pray and to prophesy and man that's what I want to see with our kids I want to see our kids on a Sunday morning going up to someone saying God I think I heard this for you that's what I want to see with our kids and I want our kids leading kids and teens leading teens and mentoring and yeah so vision, oh gosh. So I just was hearing Chris, the other, Chris Bellaton, and he was preaching and talking about, don't, please don't be offended by this, but he was talking about mega churches, and they're not all bad and inward focused, we know that, but in how that can be bad for your city, being an inward focused church, and I thought, oh God, don't ever let us just be an inward focused church that's opposite of what we want to do. So you all have permission, if that starts happening, to come say, hey, we're inward focused too much. I just see our church like big, big church, people worshiping and people coming in and just chains breaking off and being set free from drugs and, and not even necessarily having to pray for, not that we don't want to pray for people, but like, People just walking into the room and being set free. Like, I want that so bad for our church. And people ministering how God tells them to minister, not how I say it should be done, not how Scott says it should be done. Not that there won't be some order. There has to be order. It'll be crazy. But that people get to be who God designed them to be. You guys are all going to minister differently and that's going to be the joy of this thing, is we can say, oh, yeah, Marilyn, we've heard all about you. All these people trust you. Yeah, here, do this thing. That's what you're passionate about. We, that's how we want to see things work. We don't want to micromanage anyone because that's not happening. <laughs> I don't have time for that or patience for it. You know, micromanage yourselves. <laughs> but really just, yeah, just at our church thriving, but not just on the inside, but it really showing on the outside and changing our cities, not just Bremerton, but Port Orchard and Gig Harbor, Paulsboat, Kingston, Silverdale, all these places that 
are around. And I really believe that like as our church grows, like at some point, the church really does need to be planted out. So we're not just staying in our little huddle, but sending people out. Yeah, go to Kingston. Kingston needs a church. Go to Port Orchard. They need a church too. Silverdale. We don't have to have everyone here. So kids' classes. I've heard so many stories from Julia, and it makes me excited. I'm like, I want to be in and on that class where gems are falling and there's gold dust and kids are getting delivered and praying for each other and getting healed. That's what we want to see in kids' class. Oh my gosh, I hear that and I'm just like, yeah, that's what I want. And same with the youth group, you know? Yeah, that'd just be so awesome. And bringing, I guess, basically bringing an encounter to our community. An encounter to our community. Something I feel strongly that God has um, told us is the one of the things we have to be careful of is, like I said, there has to be some order, but control. Like, and I think that goes back to the whole like trying to micromanage people, but letting people just minister and trusting each other enough to where if something comes up, we can be like, you know what? Mm probably not. That probably really didn't happen. And just having each other's backs and being welcoming and bringing people in and helping them feel like they're, you know, a part of the family. And that's something we're trying to, you know, teach the kids. Open your circle of, you know, to people. We're going to have people come in and we want them all to feel welcome. Sozo, of course. Sozo. One of my things that I really, really want to see is I'd like to see us hosting conferences that come in and impact our cities, not just doing them for the sake of doing them, but women's conferences, men's conferences, stuff on marriage, families, and hosting it and hosting it with excellence. And just seeing, yeah, it's really for the community to see people out there changed and, yeah. That's just, that's my heart, women's ministry and all that too. Yeah. And I really feel like our church is coming into a new season. We've been feeling it for a little bit, just waiting on God's timing. You know, we're so blessed with this building here and they are so gracious to us, but we know it's not a forever home and God's got something out there. And when that time comes, we'll all know. Oh, that was someone's fun. But, um, yeah, I think that's, that's it. So. I guess I should have turned you loose a little earlier instead of asking all those other questions because I was trying to make it comfortable for Tammy since I didn't want to just shove her up here. She stands here and supports me when I'm talking. So why don't you guys stand up? Stand up. We're going to go ahead and uh, dismiss the, the meeting, and we'll pray. And, uh, yeah. Why don't you, well, thank you. <laughs> oh, oh, you said Tammy. <laughs> but I came up with the questions, so. You get a pastry, yes. So, 
Well, it's getting late. I don't want to do anything un, unusual. Why don't you just, since you guys are already kind of close together anyway, why don't you guys just put a hand on the shoulder of the person next to you? Just put a hand on the shoulder next to you. Yeah, or an elbow. That works. Yeah, so Jesus, we are just so grateful, God. We're grateful for who you are. We're grateful that you are the king of, of heaven. You are the king of our lives and that all power and authority belongs to you. We thank you that you are good and that you're faithful and that you love us. We thank you that the cross has taken care of everything that we need in this life. We thank you, Jesus, for the inheritance that you have given us, the sons and daughters of heaven. We thank you that you have rescued us into your kingdom. You've brought us into your kingdom of light. And we just pray this morning, or this afternoon actually, for the person on our left and the person on our right, that you would just, would just release your fire, that you would cause their heart to burn with passion for you, Jesus, that, that each one of us would just fix our eyes upon you and that we would, we would forget what is behind, but we would take the things of the kingdom that you were establishing in our lives over the years. We would take those things that you were building in us and we would run forward with you into the next season. God, we know that you have good things. We know it's your desire for us to walk in forgiveness and to let go of the, of the disappointments of the past. So today, God, we just release the past. We say the days of yesterday, the disappointments are, are gone, and the, the days of, of a glorious future in you are ahead of us. So Jesus, we thank you and we bless the person on our, our left and our right. And uh, before we say amen, my dad just walked in. So dad, why don't you come up here to the center of the room? And I would like, I would like, they already know what you're doing here. So just stand right here. We already know what we're praying for. I want to ask the kids to be the first circle around him. And then I'm going to ask the prayer warriors to be the second circle. And then the rest of us just... Uh, be on the outer circle. There's no, no level of importance. It's just kind of a picture I just got. So kids, just put your hands on grandpa, on my dad. And uh, prayer warriors, why don't you guys get in there? You can, if you can push through the kids a little bit, you can stick your hands on them. So we, we believe that Jesus paid for our healing. Hang on real quick. I'm, oh, I left the oil at home. That's okay. He doesn't want me to smear oil on his forehead anyway. Right, Dad? So, Marilyn, you go ahead and get in there. No, no spit. <laughs> Eric Johnson. Eric Johnson uh, received prayer for his deafness, and he said, don't stick wet spit fingers in my ears. He said, that's so gross. <laughs> I'm teasing Marilyn, though. <clears throat> but she, she, she might lick her thumb and put it on you. So, yeah, let's just begin to pray. And if anyone wants to pray something over the microphone, I'm going to go ahead and start, and we're just going to blast him. But if you want to pray something over the mic, just stick your hand up, and I'll hand it over to you. Is that good? We good? Okay, Father God, we thank you.
that you are good. We thank you that you have made provision for the forgiveness of sins, for the healing of our bodies, and for freedom from the enemy. So this afternoon, we declare the blood of Jesus over my dad's body. We declare that he is a son, an adopted son of God Most High, that Jesus, by your blood, you have brought him into your kingdom, that he is a citizen of heaven, And we say, as a citizen of heaven, we release life in Jesus' name. As we just release your presence, God, let life fill my dad's heart and his body. Let valves be repaired and restored now. Let blood pressure normalize in Jesus' name. Let anything that does not belong in his body, let it be dissolved in Jesus' name right now. We speak the blood of the lamb, the blood of the lamb over your head, all the way down to your toes, the protection of heaven, the provision of Jesus that was paid for on the cross. We release your portion today and we give thanks to God. We thank you, Father, for what you have paid for. We thank you, Jesus, that you took my dad's sickness, his sin, all of us, our sickness, our sin, are everything that we needed, God. You took it upon the cross and you paid for our freedom. We thank you, Lord, and we release it to him today. Bless you, Lord. Yeah, just pray in the spirit, and if you want to pray, I'll hand the microphone to you. Naira, Naira, you had that tumor dissolved out of your hip. Mm-hmm. Just give a brief testimony and sure. then declare your testimony, prophesy in sure. his body. Sure. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you brought me through this and um, showing up at the doctor's office and having pain in my hip and having gone in for an x-ray, coming back into the doctor's office and the doctor saying, you know, you have an irregular mass in your hip. That's what the x-ray shows. Do you know what that means? an irregular mass, and I said, yes, I know enough to know that if it's asymmetrical, it's probably cancerous, malignant, and not benign. And the doctor said, yes, that's what I believe it is. And um, walking out of the doctor's office and driving home and being by myself, and I just said, nope, nope, nope. I'm not gonna let fear and anxiety and doubt step in. I'm just gonna rely on you, Lord. I'm not going to worry about something that's not put on the table, that I, I'm not even going to put it on the table right now with you, except to trust in you. Went in for a scan and came back to the doctor's office for the reading of the scan with my son and my daughter and a friend. And the doctor came in and sat down and flipped through my chart and flipped some more and circled some things and turned to me and said, well, I don't understand it, but... There's nothing there. It's just a a gelatinous thing. There is no cancer. There's no mass. There's no malignancy. So, Lord, I just thank you and I praise you that you are faithful, Lord God, and there's nothing beyond you, nothing beyond that you can touch, Lord, nothing beyond you that you cannot repair or that it is not even there. So, Lord, I just lift Gene up to you right now, Lord, and let faith arise, Lord, and that you would give him peace, Lord, and a hope and a comfort. And I just declare there is nothing there. The biopsy will show nothing because you paid for it all, Lord, and you are mighty. 
So I just lift that up right now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, and we just declare that Naira's testimony prophesies into your testimony that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So the same breakthrough he gave Naira, that that cancerous mass, whatever it was, and, and whatever is there now, is just going to be dissolved into a gelatinous mass of nothing, that it's going to be gone. We, we, we prophesy that testimony, that testimony over to you, that the same God who healed her is the same God who is healing you. He is your healer. We, we stand firm on the fact that it is the will of God. It is the will of God that you shall live out all the days ordained for you. Every page written for you in the Lamb's book of life will be fulfilled. Not one will be cut short in Jesus' mighty name. Through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony in Jesus' name. Oh, you're good. Amen. Right.